Our lesson today from the Gospel of Matthew takes place in Jerusalem and in the temple there just a few days before Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. Jesus has just silenced the Sadducees and astonished the crowds who hear his teaching. And now the Pharisees move in to test Jesus. As we prepare our hearts and our minds to hear God's word, let us pray, seeking God's illuminating grace. Nurturing God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. God of grace, make us hungry for this heavenly food and pour it down upon us, that the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts may draw us closer to you and lead us to walk in the way of life. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the gospel of Matthew in the 22nd chapter, verses 34 through 46. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, Which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The story goes that a curious young man went to the desert to visit an elderly man, a monk who had lived there for many, many years. When the young man arrived at the holy man's cave, the monk was sitting outside enjoying the sun, his dog lying lazily at his side. The young man asked, why is it, teacher, that some who seek God come to the desert and are zealous in prayer, but leave after a year or so? while others, like you, remain faithful to the quest for a lifetime. The old man smiled and replied, Let me tell you a story. One day I was sitting here quietly in the sun with my dog when suddenly a large white rabbit ran across in front of us. Well, my dog jumped up and, barking loudly, took off after that big rabbit. He chased the rabbit over the hills with a passion. Soon other dogs also ran barking 
along the creeks, up the stony embankments and through thickets and thorns. Gradually, however, one by one, the other dogs dropped out of their pursuit, discouraged and frustrated by the chase. Only my dog continued to hotly pursue that white rabbit. In that story, young man, is the answer to your question. The young man, dumbfounded, sat in silence for a while. Finally, he said, teacher, I don't understand. What is the connection between the rabbit chase and the quest for God? You fail to understand, answered the old monk, because you fail to ask the obvious question. The question is, why didn't the other dogs continue the chase? The answer to that question is, the other dogs had not seen the rabbit. They were attracted by the barking of my dog, but once you see the rabbit, you will never give up the chase. Seeing the rabbit, seeing God, is what keeps me in the desert. Seeing God is also our quest today. And our reading from Matthew 22, an interesting story of of a Pharisee who comes to Jesus to test him, helps us to see God's love and God's grace. The Pharisee is also a lawyer. But a lawyer in Jesus' time is is a biblical scholar and not our contemporary understanding. The lawyer asks Jesus a question because he's trying to trap him. He's trying to ask Jesus a question that he thinks Jesus will not be able to answer. And the lawyer asks a great, great question. Maybe the greatest question that anyone ever asked Jesus Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? The law that the Pharisee is referring to is the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In those Jewish books of the law, scholars have counted 613 laws. Of these laws... 248 are considered to be positive in nature, compelling a a righteous person to do certain things. But there are also 365 laws that are considered to be negative, forbidding certain activities and actions. All 613 laws form the basis for Jewish belief and practice. Jesus' answer to which commandment in the law is the greatest astounds the listeners, perhaps most of all the lawyer. Without a pause, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus answers 
He condenses all the law and the commandments and the teachings of the prophets down to one word. To the word love. Love God. Love your neighbor. But what does it mean to love? First John tells us that God is the source of our love. God is the initiator of a relationship between God and us. John says, we love because God first loved us. The Greek word translated love in our English Bibles, and also in the verse we just read, but also in Matthew 22, is agape, the Greek word agape. God is agape. God is love. Agape is one of four Greek words for the English word love. Agape, though, is not emotional or romantic love. Agape is not brotherly or sisterly love that is dependent upon a mutually beneficial relationship. No, Agape is committed love. Agape is a love that is committed to the well-being of another, regardless of how the other responds. This is the way that God loves you and me and the world. And this is the calling of the way and the truth and the life that God is calling you and me to through Jesus Christ. Loving this way is not for the faint of heart, but it is the essential calling of Christians and the church. Loving this way is risky because the world doesn't love this way. Loving this way changes us and and it changes the nature of the church and it points to the reign of God in the world. But we cannot love the way God wants us to love by ourselves. We need to know this love. We need a strong connection with the source of this love. We need the Lord, and we need a personal relationship with the Lord. The whole of Scripture is a story of relationship. It's about the relationship between God and God's people. It's often told from the perspective of the people. But the problem is, the people's perspective was limited. From their experience, they did the best they could to figure out who God was and and, and as God revealed God's self to them. And we try to do the same. But, but we have additional information about God that the people in the time of the Hebrew scriptures did not have. We don't have to wonder about what God is like, we know. John's gospel says it this way. 
No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. If you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. Through Jesus, through his life, in his death, in his resurrection, we see the heart of God. Jesus embodied compassion by his actions and his teaching. He healed the sick and he touched the untouchable. He embraced those who others turned away. He spoke on on behalf of those who had no voice. He taught serving in humility. He taught loving one's enemies. He stood up to those who would put the rules first above mercy and compassion. His entire life was given in love, and it didn't end there. In death, he gave himself in love. He went to the cross because he could only be who he was, and he stretched out his arms in love to the world. Let there be no doubt what God is like or what God is about. Look at Jesus and you know God is love. And it should absolutely change everything for you and me. John says it this way, Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Those who claim the name of Christian are called to give their lives in response to to God's love giving to us. As God's beloved children, God expects us to, to love one another, not because God will stop loving us if we don't, but precisely because God will never ever stop loving us. When Jesus was quizzed by the lawyer, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus couldn't identify the one most important law. He had to give two. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For Jesus, there weren't two separate laws to live by. They were two parts of the same law. The way to love God is by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's not just a matter of saying, I love God over and over again. It's about showing our love for God in the way that we love other people. Of course, this isn't easy. In fact, it's hard. Our rough edges rub up against the rough edges of others and it can hurt. But in God's power, it is possible by the grace of God. Jesus' call to Christians to love is as important today as it has ever been. 
In today's culture, every possible division between people is emphasized and expanded and exaggerated and exploited. Everything is turned into a either-or scenario. Either you agree with me or you're a bigot. Either you agree with me or you're completely immoral. Either you agree with me or you're my enemy. But doesn't Jesus tell his disciples, you and I, to love our enemies? Our God says, I love you unconditionally. And through Jesus Christ, we know that this is true. Love, God's love, is more than just words. So this week, let us continue to grow in love by taking some small steps in love. I'm going to suggest four things that I encourage you to write down and practice this week. First, in order to grow in love, let us pray without ceasing. Praying without ceasing is not being on your knees in prayer 24-7. Praying without ceasing is about being aware that we live every moment before God. It's about asking God to fill us with spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's about connecting with God. Let us, this week, pray without ceasing. Second, let us listen without interrupting. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now, Epictetus told us that Two ears, we have two ears and we have one mouth for a reason. That we might listen twice as much as we talk. Let's listen without interrupting this week. It's good to, to seek understanding first. In fact, Proverbs 18.2 tells us, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. Number three, this week, let us grow in love by answering without arguing. Let us seek peace in all of our relationships this week. Let us answer, but not argue. And fourth, let us trust without wavering. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 tells us that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Trust this week. Trust this week without wavering. Trust in the power of God's presence with you to love to love God and to love your neighbor. 
Just do it this week in love. I love you, Jesus says. And our calling is to respond to his love as as well. But not with just words alone. But with our lives. With our lives that say, I love you too, Jesus. And yes, I will love your people. Amen.